0: Welcome to the Infertile Mafia, where we talk about eggs and balls and stuff. I'm Kayla, and today we have a very special guest with us. You might recognize her voice from our Minute with Mandy segments. This is Nurse Mandy herself. <laughs> and today we're getting her in here to talk all about recurrent pregnancy loss, which unfortunately she has a lot of experience with. Um, but... First, Mandy, tell us a little bit about yourself. And full disclosure, I'm a little nervous because um, <laughs> I'm used to talking to Sarah, who I consider my peer who also knows nothing. <laughs> and now I'm nervous because I'm talking to someone who is like knows shit. But you and I are good friends, so you don't have to be nervous, right? I know. It's true. No, you're you're right. But still, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't make any mistakes.
1: But yeah. No, actually, that's kind of how I feel sitting here with you right now. And you guys can't see me right now, but I have notes all in front of me so that I don't make my own mistakes. So
0: we're one of the same
1: my friend we're one of the same
0: we welcome mistakes on the infertile mafia
1: absolutely
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so tell us a little bit about yourself just give us your background
1: well first thank you for having me on i'm very uh humbled and thrilled to be on uh so i just love you guys and i i love the podcast and everything you're doing with it
0: we Um, love you too
1: well thank you Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which I'm not too active on anymore, but um, that's how Kayla and Sarah and I met was through YouTube, and um, I went by Amanda on there. Amanda's my given name, but I go by Mandy. Amanda, I respond to it all, so.
0: Yeah, (laughs) what are you doing trying to confuse us all?
1: (laughs) You gotta blame that one on my parents,
0: so. (laughs) It's true. (laughs)
1: Um, It's created an identity crisis in me as an adult because I'm like (laughs) now I don't know what to go by Mandy Amanda I'll respond to
0: it all maybe you should be Mandy and your alter ego is Amanda well there we go (laughs) and yeah you can just anytime you're like moody or irrational you can blame it on Amanda well and
1: actually that works (laughs) well because anytime my husband is a little annoyed with me he calls
0: me Amanda Amanda and uh, oh, oh, yeah, so that works. Does and he also middle name you? Like sometimes, yeah. sometimes mm. it's Amanda Joe, and <laughs> you know, I know that. Uh, and then your response rather is rather annoyed. Don't talk to me like I'm a child. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Don't middle name <laughs> me. I unfortunately um, came into the infertility community a little. Um, uh, what's the word that I'm trying to say? Like dazed and confused, I guess, as many of us have. Um, and I didn't even know if I really fully fit in with the infertility community. All I knew is that I was painfully hurting, going through a lot um, in my my journey to try and get pregnant, and I needed an outlet. Um, quickly to sum up my history... I first got pregnant in 2012, naturally, after 10 months of trying to conceive. And then we got pregnant um, in August of 2012, and everything with my pregnancy was going smoothly, you know, no problems at all. Everything was perfect. We were having a little boy, we named him Ethan. And then all of a sudden, everything went to hell in a handbasket, and all of a sudden, everything was terribly and horrible, and I didn't know that I had this serious pregnancy complication called incompetent cervix until I was in preterm labor at 21 weeks and four days. Um, so obviously, this is a very bad thing at 21 weeks and four days, and I was admitted into the hospital where some procedures were performed like a, uh, a emergent cerclage, which a cerclage is a stitch placed in your cervix to stitch your cervix up. Uh, my emergent circlage worked, but unfortunately my water broke shortly after my circlage was Placed, And I got an interuterine infection that unfortunately um, took the life of my son. And I had fought for about a week. It was almost a week exactly to try and save his life before I got the interuterine infection. And the doctor said, we've exhausted all plans or we've exhausted all, all of our um, plans here for trying to save your baby and we can't at this point so I had to give birth to him at 22 weeks and five days and he was born stillborn he was already gone by the time I gave birth to him and it was the worst day of my entire life and the very first thing I asked the doctors um after I gave birth which I was completely and totally numb with what happened to me um first thing out of my mouth was when, when can I get pregnant again? Um, I just wanted to reset everything, wanted to, I could not wrap my mind around what had just happened to me. I just lost my child. Um, and the very first thing I wanted to know is when could I get pregnant again, just to reset my normal, not thinking about the emotional aspects of what had just gone on or anything. Um, and they looked at me and said, you could get pregnant within three more cycles. Um, you have three, you know, natural, normal cycles, and then you can try to get pregnant again, but I don't think you would want to, um, just emotionally, you need the time to heal. And, um, I didn't hear that. Um, my husband and I were heartbroken, obviously, and grieving our loss of our son. And it was very difficult and challenging to get through and, we wanted to have a family. And so we, you know, we waited that three cycles and we we tried to get pregnant again. And my husband um, said, now watch, we'll go on to have miscarriages, um, not knowing that that's what was going to end up happening to us But just, you know, Murphy's Law We just thought, well, we experienced the worst thing In in our whole entire world So, you know, now Naturally we'll go on to have Recurrent miscarriages And that's exactly what happened with us um, I did go on to have a hysteroscopy Once I got to my RE's office um, And he said You most certainly definitely have a septate uterus Going on, I, I guarantee it Um, He was correct. And by the time I got to my RE, I had had three back-to-back miscarriages. So we knew, yeah, you know, they had to be wrong. We're on the right track now seeing an RE. Um, And this was three back-to-back miscarriages after losing our son. So really, we had lost four babies, if you think about it. And it was just horrific. And by the time we had the second miscarriage my OB was saying, okay, if you miscarry again, I'm gonna send you to a fertility specialist. I actually, well, not I myself, but my husband and I, we actually conceived uh, natural triplets, which is very rare. Um, to naturally conceive triplets and I had three blighted ovums so I miscarried all three of them and they all three were blighted ovums and that was very suspect for my RE and he said I not only feel that you are having recurrent miscarriages because of the septate uterus but I also th- Wonder if you're having a genetic issue going on um, that would require IVF with PGS testing, and he pretty much fast tracked us to IVF with PGS testing right away, saying we're going to remove the hyster or we're going to remove the septum, but you are also a strong candidate for IVF, and I really suggest we go straight to IVF after your um, septum is removed because that would give us the highest probability and chances of having a successful pregnancy to where we can basically weed out the, the embryos that are not viable and only put our highest chance, highest success embryos back in to um, you know, give you a live birth at the end. With your history, um, we don't need to basically beat around the bush or wait on anything, you can just go straight to IVF. And I think that's why my husband and I were a little bit blindsided because we were the couple that could get pregnant naturally and had no problems getting pregnant naturally. Um, And here we are being told, you are now a strong candidate for IVF and I would really highly suggest that you use IVF to conceive um, from this point on and not get pregnant naturally anymore. Um, That's not something that I ever thought would happen because you traditionally think of IVF being for people who really struggle getting pregnant and can't get pregnant. Um, So that was a misconception that was um, really, you know, that was a misconception that I had that automatically, you know, was out of my mind of, oh, you know, more people use IVF than what I initially thought. Um, And then I I realized, you know, a lot of people use IVF for reoccurrent miscarriages. And um, it's a wonderful thing. Technology today has really allowed us to do so. And we went on to do IVF with PGS testing, which is pre-implantation genetic screening. And it's was worth every single penny that we paid for it. It gave us our beautiful daughter, (laughs) who is now two and a half years old. It was still kind of a process to go through it. Um, We still had a loss after we went through the whole process of IVF and the PGS testing. My very first transfer with my first PGS tested embryo failed. It was actually a chemical pregnancy and i was at a complete and utter loss at that point thinking what what the hell are we doing here we i just had all this loss you told me to do ivf with pgs testing and that that would decrease my incidence of loss and here i did i i did what you said and i transferred this beautiful genetically viable five-day blastocyst that's perfect in every way genetically and and quality and everything and here I had a chemical pregnancy are you kidding me and my RE looked at me and said I'm at a loss as well um I'm gonna contact some of the top recurrent miscarriage uh, specialists in the country and rack my brain and come up with a better plan for you and Um, You know, really kind of think about what we can do differently with your next embryo transfer. And um, it took me a long while to want to do that. I was angry. I was so angry and heartbroken. And by that time, I had lost my son and four pregnancies back to back (laughs) with early losses, um, so, it it was it was seven babies total because one was a triplet pregnancy and I just thought I don't know if I have it in me to lose another baby and I was scared to death to even attempt to transfer our next two embryos that we had. We ended up with three uh, genetically tested PGS tested viable embryos and um losing the first one was very scary
0: to me and um it can i yes i'm just uh i'm sorry don't no, you're fine you. i just want to make sure like for anyone that's listening um t- just so that we're all clear about why he recommended mm-hmm. the embryonic testing because right. what it sounds like I'm going to repeat it back to you and you correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) because you had had not only had you had recurrent miscarriage, but you've now we know that you before you did IVF, you've had five potentially because you had a triplet pregnancy and two others. Five embryos now that didn't take. Exactly. You know, that did not implant and so I'm sure he's thinking in his mind we're looking at someone this has happened five times there might be even more going on exactly. than, the, than the septate and so that's why he recommended the PGS testing which I wanted to real briefly before you um, move on because I think Sarah and I talked about this in an early episode about um, and I, I wanted to clear up well or give a disclaimer or whatever because we talked about how PGS and PGD testing is the industry standard now with IVF and it seems like it's it's like always ha- or the majority of people doing it are doing are doing the embryonic testing that are doing IVF and so i wanted you to just like quickly touch on why it why specifically it was recommended in your case, and do you think it's always, like, the best choice for maybe just any given person doing IVF? Do you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) Because there is a bit of a controversy out there now. There is. There is. There's a large
1: controversy about it, and some IVF clinics will refuse to do it in certain states because of the controversy surrounding PGS, PGD testing. Um, I was unaware until I listened to the podcast that it was industry standard. I guess that has recently changed because my daughter is two and a half years old. So, you know, I did my embryo transfer with her, my frozen embryo transfer with her a little over three years ago, and it was not industry standard at that point. Um, so this was news to me, and I don't honestly know if it is at, at my clinic. Maybe it varies between clinics, but um, why it was recommended for me and in my incidents is, which I asked my R, my RE, why do you feel that I we need to have this done? It felt like a radical step to go from Hey, we can conceive naturally. We've been having reoccurrent miscarriages. You're going to fix my septum, but what is fast tracking us to IVF? Why are we IVF candidates? I don't quite understand. And he's and like embryo testing And embryo candidates. testing candidates because I forgot to mention he did reoccurrent miscarriage uh, blood panels on me and everything came up normal. So the way that my RE Described it to me is he said there is a genetic issue going on, I'm suspecting, but it's not a genetic issue that you necessarily pass down that you or Nathan, Nathan being my husband, are passing down. It's something in either egg quality or sperm quality, which my husband's sperm analysis was perfect. and But there's something going on there between the mixture of either sperm or egg or something. And
0: In the way
1: that we're not seeing or in the way that the chromosomes are dividing. He had this great analogy that I always like to think of. And he said, imagine you're making copies and you make about 50 copies of one document. Well, within those 50 copies of that one document, you may get a bad copy on a copy machine. So let's say that you find that bad copy and we're going to assume it's a chromosome And you take that bad copy and you put it back into the copy machine and you make a copy of that. Well, then the copy that you get out of that is going to be even poorer quality. Well, let's just say that you keep taking the poor quality document that you're getting from this copy machine and you keep making copies and copies and copies and copies until it's completely unrecognizable. Well, that's what's going on in a lot of these embryos that are not um, viable and that for some reason are miscarrying early on. It can just be that the chromosomes are dividing improperly or there's a wrong number or wrong type of chromosomes. And so it's like you're making a bad copy of a bad copy of a bad copy of a bad copy over and over again until it's completely unrecognizable. And that's why sometimes people can have recurrent pregnancy loss and can really um, benefit from PGS testing because what PGS testing does is it it looks at the the number and the type of chromosomes. And it just makes sure that all the right numbers of chromosomes are there and all the right types of the chromosomes are there. Um, And PGS testing is very basic. It doesn't give you any more information other than that and the gender of The embryo. Um, But it can tell them a lot of saying, okay, this embryo is dividing properly. These chromosomes are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're not getting all messed up and unrecognizable um, and making basic mutations of themselves. So that's more likely to be viable and successful if we take this embryo and we implant it in because everything's there that should be there. Um, So I hope that helps kind of explain it. That's how my RE explained it to me, which I was like, that makes so much sense. Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, no, that's a, a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went in and I had a third hysteroscopy done. And my RE did find some scar tissue left over from the healing process of my septum and it was around the area that he said he did the implantation or the the embryo transfer of the first one so that that alone could have been the reason why the first embryo didn't take but we can't definitively say so but he removed that scar tissue and four weeks later I was you know cycling for my frozen embryo transfer my second one that was actually successful and uh, resulted in my daughter caitlin yes caitlin she's two and a half years old and (laughs) just perfect and and beautiful and our little miracle baby and i she was worth it all i mean I went through a lot of pain and a lot of, um, you know, doubts in whether or not I would ever become a mother. I didn't think I would ever hold a living baby, my living baby, in my arms. I just got to a point where it was easier to believe that that wouldn't happen instead of being hopeful that it would. Um, And it's why we gave my daughter the middle name Hope (laughs) as well because she is the embodiment of hope. She is the embodiment of don't ever give up on your dreams. Um, If you want something bad enough, just keep working towards it and eventually it'll come um, in one way or another. And so Uh, my daughter has the middle name Hope that my husband and I agreed on and it just fit her perfectly with our situation, with our journey that we went on. Um, but she, she was absolutely worth every single tear I cried, every single shot I gave myself for IVF treatments. Um, every single painful surgery that I had, it it was a long road. And I have to absolutely say, you know, despite all of that, I would do it again. And we plan on doing it again. Um, Maybe this year we have one frozen embryo left and uh, we plan on doing the transfer maybe at the end of the year, first of, um, Twenty nineteen and and I'm crazy enough to want to do it all over again. (laughs) So um, it definitely
0: was worth it. I would say we're all a little crazy. I know, people, right? Just a little, yeah. Just a little. I mean (laughs) the the things we put ourselves through. There's just a little bit of crazy going on up there. I think. Yeah, (laughs) it was. No, but I. I appreciate you sharing that. I I can see it in your eyes, like how emotional you get telling this story, and this happened years ago. Some yes. of it, and um, how that it it just it becomes a part of you. Yes, yeah. your story. And I know a lot of people listening probably are encouraged by hearing you talk about how of all of this. I mean. <laughs> You really went into the depths with some of this, like losing a child and then going on to have recurrent miscarriages and then a failed IVF. I mean, these, these are like, you know, it's unthinkable tragedies. Right. Yes, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And so I'm sure a lot of people are encouraged by your stick with it, Yes. <laughs> you know, um, And the hope that you had uh, to keep going. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. I did. I wanted to you. You brought this up just a minute ago. But as it as it relates to women who go through recurrent miscarriage, I want your opinion since you're you fit into that category, because I I wonder sometimes like the infertility community is largely comes from the perspective of women who can't get pregnant. Right. 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 So I wonder how women who can very easily get pregnant, they just can't stay pregnant. If they find themselves in somewhat of like a limbo or a little bit of an identity crisis, even in the infertility community, they feel like they don't quite fit on either side because they can get pregnant absolutely they just can't do it all the other quote normal pregnant people can do to carry the pregnancy to term so i i i wanted to if there's any women out there that you know are in that position where they feel like i don't know if you maybe ever felt that way or oh, if you could just yeah. give some advice
1: <laughs> it's thoughts that i've had a lot and I, for the longest time i didn't consider myself an infertility patient. Even though I had gone through IVF, had done it all, I was like, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to offend any women who truly have never seen a positive pregnancy test, um, who are truly struggling with just trying to conceive and would give anything in their world to see a positive pregnancy test. I don't want to consider myself an infertility patient and offend anyone, you know, who's gone through such heartache and heartbreak like that. But then as I started saying that, I was like, hello, (laughs) I have gone through heartbreak. I have cried. I have no child. Um, Yes, I've seen a positive pregnancy test, but the outcome is the same. I can't carry a pregnancy without substantial help. And that's hard. It's just like, okay, I am a fertility patient because I have so much going on here that I can't just fix on my own. This is not something that I can just take a prenatal vitamin or, or take this or that and and stop miscarriages. I'm going to need a reproductive endocrinologist to help me stop miscarrying. And so that's where I knew I am now a fertility patient and I I can own that I can feel however I feel about it and I don't need to feel like I'm offending anyone else in, in the fertility community um, because the outcome is still the same no baby <laughs> you know in right. the end so
0: yeah, yeah. no and um, I'm glad you brought that up because I uh, I had never thought of it from that perspective of If I'm someone who is trying to get support from a community of the majority of the women can't get pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm someone who has no trouble getting pregnant. I could see how that would, (laughs) how you might feel a little self-conscious or worried that that piece of your story could be, quote, offensive. Right. But so I'm glad you brought that up. So, if but if anyone feels that way that's listening, I'm just going to speak for myself here. And I would guess that I'm speaking for a lot of the community, those of us that can't get pregnant at all, that that never once crossed my mind. I mean, Okay, good. (laughs) It never once crossed my mind that I would in any way be offended by someone who's had recurrent miscarriage. Let me make that very clear. And in fact, to be honest, I actually felt like, how do I put this? (laughs) Um, I felt like in some ways I had it easier that I didn't have to go through the heartache of a miscarriage my heartache is that I can't get pregnant but having now been on both sides been on the side of trying to get pregnant and been on the side of getting pregnant and miscarrying for me personally that is much worse for me personally um and that I can't speak to everyone um but I remember feeling that way that um I would rather be someone who couldn't get pregnant than someone who had recurrent miscarriages. So if anyone's in that position where they feel like, I don't know if I quite can fit in with the infertility community. I don't want to step on anyone's toes talking about all my pregnancies. Oh, my gosh. Do not even let that thought enter your mind. That is that is not at all what infertile people, people that can't get pregnant are thinking when they run into someone who's had recurrent miscarriage. So put that, just kick that thought out of your mind.
1: (laughs) And I I would agree with you. I have talked to many women who do have difficulties getting pregnant and have told me the same thing you have, Kayla, have told me, you absolutely don't need to feel bad or guilty or feel like you are offending anyone because you have recurrent miscarriages. Um, You are an infertility patient regardless, because you know, you're struggling just like the rest of us. I think where I started to really feel guilty and bad um, is that I think I shared one of my my uh pregnancy tests that weren't developing right it was with my first frozen embryo and i shared on my instagram page that i was worried that i was having a chemical pregnancy or that i was having a miscarriage and i think someone had said on there um well at least you've seen a positive pregnancy test i never have you're pregnant Mm. today like just be happy that you're pregnant And I think that's where it really started to sink into me. Oh, I'm offending people. And I don't want to offend anyone in the infertility community. And maybe I don't fit in. Maybe I don't need to consider myself an infertility patient, even though I did IVF. Or another question, or because I can't carry a pregnancy, but another question I get asked a lot is, but I thought you could get pregnant on your own there's a misconception there with, Mm -hmm. you know, what IVF is used for. Sometimes people don't often realize that it's also used for women who
0: are experiencing recurrent pregnancy loss. People just don't understand. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) I wanted to talk about, well, two things. Number one, we haven't even really discussed exactly what Technically, recurrent miscarriage means or recurrent pregnancy loss. And then the second thing would be what are some possible causes? And we don't need to get into all the details right now, but I wanted to maybe go over a few of those things so that if anyone's had two, three, definitely four or five miscarriages, these are maybe some things to look out for. So before we started recording, um, I sent Mandy some notes that I had some t- to talk. And the definition that I found for recurrent pregnancy loss was three or more consecutive miscarriages and meaning back to back to back. So not miscarriage, pregnancy, miscarriage. These are three in a row. And she Pointed out to me. No, you're wrong. No, I'm just <laughs> no not that you're
1: yeah. wrong. No, I know. No, I'm not just... like that, Kayla. <laughs> I know.
0: Well, I'm used. To, we're used to this. Like if we get it right, we're like, oh, we got something right. No, <laughs> but she pointed out to me that that's actually not. That is old information. Was it the? So, who, the American
1: Society for Reproductive Medicine has recently you. changed the diagnostic classification of what recurrent miscarriage is. And it's only been recently. So didn't she
0: say that so lovely and eloquently? <laughs> I would have just <laughs> butchered it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, so say know. that one more time.
0: The Society for <laughs> Reproductive, the American Society for (laughs) Reproductive Medicine, (laughs) right, has now changed the standard to two consecutive losses, not three,
1: right, to two consecutive life losses, and that's huge for those of us in the reoccurrent pregnancy loss community because that means that we can get help sooner, sooner, sooner. So that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to wait any longer for you to have a third recurrent loss. My own OB who I love and who is best friends with my RE, um she's she's a good doctor, but she you know faulted to that. Oh Amanda, you just got to relax and it's going to happen. You know, you can't stress about this thing. You're going to worry yourself to death and, you know, you just need to relax and this is going to happen for you. Uh, She's probably since changed her
0: stance on that because she herself has become a mother and uh, since she told me that, and uh, she should know better. Yeah. What happens when someone tells you to relax about you, something you're not relaxed about? You do, the, about? Complete and you do opposite. the complete opposite. Yeah. Hey, PSA to the public, stop, stop saying, saying that. Oh, jeez. It's awful. <laughs> it is awful. I do think about that patient, though, that I've thought about this before. The woman who doesn't have any known infertility problems. She can get pregnant on her own. Mm-hmm. She's had uh, she's had or maybe maybe she can't get pregnant every cycle, but she can get pregnant on her own after a few tries, let's say. Mm-hmm. And she's had two miscarriages and her OB says, "I can't do anything for you until you've had 3."
1: I know. And isn't when is that horrible?
0: It's horrible. Yeah, so and it's horrible for a lot of reasons. I mean, we're talking It's emotionally horrible. It's financially. So where I was going with that, like a lot of them will not refer you until you've had three because a lot of insurance companies won't cover testing until you've had three miscarriages. Exactly. So that's why this is incredibly huge. If that's now if that has now shifted to. So if you get insurance coverage to test for some of these things after having two versus three, because I just think in my mind. Okay, so you're telling me I've had two pregnancy losses. Now I have to have another one before you can even try it. I have to go through this again, and it hasn't even happened yet before I can even start to find, to get to the bottom of why it's happening.
1: Um, So for a doctor to look at you and say, I can't do anything for you until you have a third miscarriage is just disheartening. And that's why I'm so glad that they've changed the diagnostic standards of when women can actually get help. And I think it's important for women to know that as well, that if you've had two back-to-back miscarriages, speak up. If your OB has not told you that you can get help from an endocrinologist or from a reproductive endocrinologist, speak up and say, I'm done. I'm not gonna have the third the third miscarriage I want to go see a fertility specialist now because I qualify and I want to go now
0: yeah yeah if Sarah was here she would say or just lie we <laughs> <Or> just lie <laughs> we're not uh, endorsing lying no <laughs> that's not helpful either no. but. I'm just hearing her voice in my head saying, just lie. <laughs> <laughs> and I can actually hear her saying that, too. Yeah, Sarah's the little red devil on your shoulder. Just lie. But yes, yeah. that's, that's in jest. We are not condoning lying no. to your doctors. No. Don't do that. <laughs> no. Briefly touch on the things they can test for. I'm going to list some of these. You just let me know if I get it wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I think we've actually touched on all of them. So this will be just kind of a summation of some things that are possible causes for recurrent pregnancy loss. This is not like Mandy was just saying, none of these were the case in her situation. So just because you have one of these or just because... You don't. Doesn't necessarily it's just some things that they might test for and some things that could be a contributing factor to recurrent pregnancy loss. So she talked about an an anim, 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 <laughs> anatomical conditions such as septate uterus, bicornet uterus. <laughs> Bicordia uterus. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> all of the all of the funky uteruses yes, out there. Yes. This could be something they could test for or Cervical issues as well, um, uh, like an incompetent cervix, or um, a misshapen cervix, or yes. a, if you have a cervices.
1: Yes, if you have two <laughs> cervix or cervices. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yes, and those are those are not going to, unfortunately, be done with the blood test. Those are going to have to be a little bit more of an invasive yes. pelvic exam or yes. hysteroscopy. Yes. And the, the other ones that I'm going to list are, these are things you can, th- these are all blood tests. Okay, mm-hmm. so Mandy talked about, like, chromosomal disorders. There are some you can test, um, like chromosome translocation. And that would be a test that you could do that your husband would also need to do. Like you yes. mentioned, Nathan did some. Mm-hmm. And and some of those can be done early on, like with um uh the testing that I've talked about before that you have in that fact finding month with your yeah. R E. And so the the but that some of these blood tests are, are looking for chromosomal anomalies. Yes. Right? Yes. And I'm not going to list all of them, but that no. that is... That, they're extensive. That, they're extensive. Yeah. But if you've got one, this could be the key to why you would be having recurrent pregnancy loss because as Mandy talked about earlier, it's that making a copy of a bad copy of a bad copy. Exactly. If you've got some kind of funky chromosome thing going on. Uh, the other one would be looking for... This should also. This is also kind of a first line test, but an endocrine disorder could also be a a cause of recurrent pregnancy loss. So, like again, Mandy (laughs) touched on her hyper (laughs) hypothyroidism and her Hashimoto's. Um, Women with PCOS tend to have a higher um, uh, incident of pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. So, if they that's and those are all endocrine disorders. So. Um that's another thing that a that blood work could show that may give you a picture into what could be going on. Um another one would be like vascular disorders. So that's where you get into your MTHFRs, your yes. factor 5 Leiden, your blood cl- These are MTHFR is a gene mutation that mm-hmm. that's known to cause like clotting mm-hmm. issues. I I think factor five Leiden is similar. The problem with these is is that they can cl- they can clot. <laughs> 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 they can cause blood clotting or just general vascular issues yes. within the uterus. Yes. Whether uh, like restriction of getting good blood there. Yeah. Usually in- restrictive
1: blood flow, implantation right.
0: failure, things right. like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the last one would be um, immune issues. So right. <laughs> like you <laughs> like me. We're we finally on that. Arrived so. <laughs> to me. Yes. <laughs> so that's gonna be like elevated antibodies, like your what anti-nuclear antibodies, right. antiphospholipid antibodies, your natural, natural killer, killer cell activity, right. that right. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the the other one that I just thought of off the top of my head, it's not written down, so be very impressed, everyone. Would be like a luteal phase defect. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Yes. Women that have a short luteal phase. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Meaning that their progesterone just doesn't want to hang around for very long. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So if it tanks too early, then even if you've got. An embryo implanted, it's not supporting the pregnancy. Exactly. And then you miscarry. Right,
1: right. Which is oftentimes why progesterone support supplements will, supplements will be given to those who have a history of mm. miscarriage. And actually it is done with all of my pregnancies. They put me even with my IVF cycle. I was still on PIO and they stuck me on some permetrium. Permetrium. <laughs> there we <Yeah>. go. <laughs> right. Um, that I stuck up my wuha yeah. Um, you know, three times a day to boost my progesterone levels up and keep them up because I have a problem with uh, keeping my progesterone levels up just in general, and that also coincides with my incompetent cervix and preterm labor issues that I have as well. My body just doesn't like to keep progesterone around, so <laughs> I'm one of those lucky few that I, I'm one of those lucky women that uh, get PIO shots, perimetrium. And then at 14 weeks pregnant, I get weekly injections of progesterone until I'm 36, 37 weeks pregnant. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) I literally feel your pain on that one. Yeah.
1: The the booty (laughs) has scar tissue on it.
0: Yep. I still have nerve damage in my ass from progesterone shots. I took them every day until, I think I was at like, Eighteen weeks. It was very yeah. late in the game, and then I still had day twice daily Lovenox oh, injections until I delivered. So funny yeah. story
1: I have to tell you real quick.
0: My husband
1: was sick a couple weeks ago, and he had to go get a shot of oh, steroids for no baby. <laughs> and you would not believe how much he moaned and pissed about that one little <laughs> shot in his butt. And I just looked at him and said. I do not feel your pain. I am so <laughs> sorry, but no. You got one shot. I still have scar tissue in my butt from all oh, mine. So,
0: You were yeah. w- much nicer than I would have <laughs> been. <laughs> much nicer. Yeah. <laughs> so, all of these things I just listed, though, are things that can be treated, right? Yes. So, yes. the anatomical stuff we talked about, you can do surgery. Yes. The... Endocrine disorders, I'm going to skip over the chromosomes real quick. Mm-hmm. The endocrine disorders synthroid. are Synthroid for <laughs> hypothyroidism. Yes. Um, we've talked about PCOS ad nauseum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can listen to our PCOS episode if you Very need more good. info on that. Thank you. Uh, the vascular disorders that we talked about, that's where, why when you see a lot of women that talk about taking um, blood thinners, mm-hmm. that's what helps those, like mm-hmm. MTHFR and, and Factor Five Leiden. Mm-hmm. And then immune therapy and reproductive immunology is also a, a thing that has several different types of treatment, like prednisone and mm-hmm. intralipid infusions and IVIG infusions and things like that. Mm-hmm. The chromosomal disorders, if you find that you test positive for something like that that's where embryonic testing comes in yes. right so if you know yes. that you have if you know that you have that you could pass this some kind of chromosomal disorder or you have a translocation or something like that that's when it, it may not happen with every embryo that you make and that's where you have PGS testing to identify which ones are genetically viable right Yes and no. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, if you are a known carrier of a genetic disorder um, and your partner is also a known carrier of the, of the same genetic disorder, let's say sickle cell, Tay-Sachs, uh, factor Five, like you're explaining, that's when PGD testing, um, the pre-im- uh, pre-implantation genetic... Oh, my gosh. I just screwed that up. <laughs> 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 um, PGS testing is the Nurse diagnostic. Nurse Mandy gets it
0: wrong sometimes, too. <laughs> I do.
1: Too. Um, PGD testing is actually the genetic testing of specific disorders like okay. that and so it's different than pgs pgs right. is just testing the number and type of chromosomes just to make sure they're all there pgd testing is is what you're describing if you are a carrier of something a certain, specific something very specific uh, cystic fibrosis for instance if if the woman and her partner are carriers of this um they can do pgd testing and and figure out which embryos are carriers of it as well. And then not transfer those because we want to avoid that. Right. Um, So, yeah. But like I said, that's, that's another.
0: Yeah. We will. In depth topic. (laughs) We'll dig into that later in a later episode. Yes. (laughs) So as we wrap it up for this episode, do you have any, any just last minute, I don't know, words of wisdom for especially specifically for women who have who are dealing with recurrent pregnancy loss
1: um as always i always say be your best advocate that's what you can always do so if you've had reoccurrent miscarriages um you need to talk to your doctor and say i'm not okay with this i need to go see a reproductive endocrinologist i really it's really time for me to go Uh, Once you're at the reproductive endocrinologist, take a deep breath. Take a sigh, a deep breath. And I honestly, I hate to say this because it goes back to the whole don't say relax. But once I got to the reproductive endocrinologist and I talked to my RE, I knew I was in good hands and I could finally take a deep breath. And just, you're just
0: sharing the load with someone else.
1: Yes, I could just finally say someone you, you trust. You get it. You understand, and you're gonna work for me to help me achieve my goal. And my re was wonderful when I miscarried my first genetically viable PGS tested embryo. That man racked his brain trying to find a solution for me. And he is just as much in it. He, she, your reproductive endocrinologist wants the same outcome that you do. They want you to take home that living baby. They want you to so badly. They feel your pain. They understand what you're going through. Um, So I just felt like I was in better company than I ever had. And I, You know, there were times where my reproductive endocrinologist and I were like, do you, you know, kind of butt heads just a little bit because, you know, I'm a nurse and I do that where I'm like, are we sure we're doing all we can do? (laughs) But, (laughs) um, you know, he he was very good to be like, I got this. So find that doctor, find that reproductive endocrinologist that you can trust and and is there for you. Um, He was there for me emotionally and and got it. I mean, he and his wife are IVF patients as well. So I think that's also why he understands it a little it's bit. Such more. a
0: common theme. That it was really my is. doctor, it was Sarah's yeah. doctor, it was your doctor. Yeah. Does yes. anyone else have an RE that also went through IVF? That's so yes. interesting. I wonder what the what the statistic is on that. Yeah. But it does I it does help um, I just I think it helps him understand the emotional s- aspect to their patients when Absolutely. they've been there and done it before they're not only coming at it from a clinical perspective right
1: right yeah I mean he understood why I was in his office breaking down
0: in yeah. tears
1: unable to talk right <laughs> and just going why why he's yeah. giving answers as to why because why do I have to keep going through this pain um yeah he totally got it and literally poured his heart and soul into finding a solution for us and changed my protocol up a little bit. And we have my daughter. So, yeah. (laughs) That's
0: great. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So we're going to wrap it up, everybody. Um, Join our closed Facebook group called the Infertile Mafia. Mandy's in the group, so I if am. you want to become her friend, join the group. <laughs> um, follow us on Instagram at infertile mafia Podcast, and feel free to send us an email. If you have any questions or general quandaries or comments, whatever, you can send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear lots of talk about eggs and balls and stuff (laughs) (laughs) you got it girl (laughs) okay thanks for joining the infertile mafia bye everyone